John, John chapter 11, and just in honor of God's word, remain standing as I would just read a few verses of where we will be looking this morning. John is the fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, whether you have a hard copy, book copy, paper copy of scripture, or one on a phone, um, or if you don't have one with you, that's perfectly fine. Listen as I would read from John chapter 11. Verses 25 through 27. Jesus said to her, and this is to Martha. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she said. I believe that you are the Christ or the Messiah the Son of God, who was to come into the world. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word, and you may be seated. As we would look into God's word together, there are sermon notes in your bulletin. Uh, If you are a note taker with some fill-ins that will be on the screen. Uh, This morning, you may have noticed, even as I read those three verses or so, the word believe jumps out several times. And so this question this morning that we want to look at together is, do you believe this? Do you believe this? We've been in a a larger series called Lifting Up Our Low View of God, uh, Seeing God as He Is. Uh, But a little bit of a sidetrack here on Resurrection Sunday, but we're connect it together as we look at this topic of do you believe this? C.S. Lewis, in his book, A Grief Observed, talked about the fact of you never really know how much you really believe something until it's a truth or a falsehood that becomes a matter of life and death. And so he illustrated this with a rope. And you can imagine if you look at this rope, you may say, I have a package that I need to tie up or something that I need to secure, but real light, nothing that's going to be of life or death. And you may tie it and say, I believe that this rope will hold it. But it will become much more a matter of belief. If If I was to throw this up over the beam, and pull it tight on two sides, and take a running jump from the back, and see if I could swing out and not come crashing down. That would be a much, hopefully I wouldn't die out of it. (laughs) I may end up on a trip to the emergency room on Easter Sunday, which wouldn't be so good. But my belief would be tested a lot more, wouldn't it? If I had thrown this up there, and seeing if, I, if it could hold my weight to swing out towards you in the congregation. It's one thing to believe, eh, wrap up a package. It's another thing when your well-being is attached to it. We begin to see, and then when it goes even further towards life and death, we begin to see just how much we actually believe what we stand on and what we hold to. When it comes to the resurrection of Jesus, 
You may be at a place here on this Easter Resurrection Sunday that come and we celebrate that Jesus is not dead, that he is alive. And you may say, yes, I believe in the resurrection. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. But belief must must be much more than just one of, yeah, I believe it because someone told me it. But rather a belief that we will depend on in the darkest of times and in the best of times on this earth in life. And a belief that will hold us for eternity. And you may be here this morning and you'd be saying, I'm not quite sure what I think about Jesus, what I think about the resurrection. I'm not even sure I would, Jesus was that rope that I would swing on him, (laughs) in a sense. That I would hold on him. I'm not sure what I think. This morning, if that's where you're at, you're in a great place. Because Jesus says, come. And he, he welcomes all of us, wherever we are at in the journey of figuring out what do we really think of Jesus. But we here believe that Jesus is more than enough to hold on to. We believe that the resurrection, that the resurrection shows and proves that he is actually who he says he is. The son of God, the savior of the world, the one who has overcome sin and death and and the devil. And so this morning we want to take opportunity in the face of everything that we got going on in this world today. You know, we say COVID's over, but you just doesn't seem to be ever get away from the place where they actually say COVID is over. So you got that going on. You, you have conflict in the world with the war in Ukraine. You have inflation. You go to the grocery store and you feel it. You go to the gas station and you feel it. You go to basically buy anything and you feel all of this. You can't get away from the political divisions in our world today. You feel it there. And different ones are dealing with different things, whether it's health issues or family issues or grief and loss. Whatever it may be, there are those things in this life that not only for eternity, but also for today, what do we hold on to? What are we holding on to? And this morning, I would propose to you that Jesus is more than enough to hold on to for this life and for eternity. A question for all of us, to wrestle with, and to answer this morning. And you may say, I've already answered this question, but may it be a fresh opportunity for you today, or for the first time, or just to take one step closer to saying, do you believe this? This question, do you believe this? Do you believe what Jesus says, that I am the resurrection and the life? There's several things as we look at this that we want to answer that question. Do we believe this? And the first is, Do you believe that God is working and that he is working for his glory? Do you believe that God is working, that he's working all around us, and that he's working in your life, and that he's working for for his glory, ultimately? The story of Lazarus begins in verse 1 of chapter 11, and it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from a town called Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And this Mary, whose brother Lazarus was now sick, he lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. 
When he heard this, Jesus said in verse 4, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Pay attention to this verse, verse 5. Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. Yet, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea, which is actually away from where they were. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going to go back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not slumber, for he sees, this, he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. So Lazarus is sick. And instead of going to heal Lazarus, if you've read the Gospels, if you've heard of Jesus, you would no doubt have read and heard that Jesus healed many, many people. Crowds would come and he would heal many, many, many people. But yet, in the midst of the sickness of his friend Lazarus, and the love that he has for Lazarus, and the love that he has for his sisters, Mary and Martha, Jesus, instead of running to Lazarus, he goes the opposite way. Because ultimately, ultimately, verse 4 says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Notice, Lazarus is not the center of the story. In my Bible, different Bibles may have headings at the top of sections. And in mine, it says the death of Lazarus. I don't know that that's the best title for this. I think the best title may be the glorifying of the father and the glorifying of the son. Lazarus is a character in this story. He's a person very prominent to the story, but the biggest and most prominent and the hero of the story is Jesus and the Father. It's about the glory of God. Jesus loved them, but yet even in his love for them, his glory and the glory of the Father was greater. Sometimes we get this, the view of what God is up to backwards. If you've been tracking with us in the series of lifting up our low view of God to a high view of God, sometimes we put ourselves at the center of the story. Sometimes we put ourselves in the center of the world. <laughs> and everything ra- revolves around us and revolves around what's going on in my life. I want you to hear that Jesus loves you. He loved Lazarus. He loved Martha and he loved Mary. But his love also is big enough that his glory is bigger than even what, how our situations go. And that could be a hard pill to swallow sometimes because I don't know about you, but I like to be the center of the story. I like things to work out the way I want things to work out. I like people to come around and be like, hey, good for you, man. I like my birthday a few weeks ago when everybody in my family celebrated me. I like, you know, who of us does not like to be the center of the story? But the center of the story is Jesus. 
And so because of that, for God to be glorified and the Son to be glorified, verse 11 through 15 tells us this. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. But Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly in verse 14, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. That doesn't fit my view of Jesus sometimes. He loved them, but yet he was glad he wasn't there. He was glad for their sake so that they might believe that Lazarus died. It's rather shocking. But there are some things in life, some things in life that we will only believe and that Jesus will only be glorified in when it doesn't go the way we thought it would. If everything went perfectly, I know what I would do. I start to say, look how good I'm doing. But it's in those spaces where things don't go well that Jesus has the greatest opportunity to be glorified because I can't take any credit at all for it. And I'm dependent on him and on him alone. And so Jesus says, for the son to be glorified and for them to believe he is who he says he is, Lazarus had to die. This isn't the message that we like to hear on Easter, is it? (laughs) We want to hear that everything's going to work out perfectly. But there are some things that we cannot see who God is, and God cannot be glorified fully without things sometimes not going the way we want them to go. But in the midst of it, notice this, God is still good. Jesus is still loving. He is still welcoming. If you skip down to verse 17, it says on his arrival, they're on their way. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Again, in verse 32, the scene has shifted from Martha to Mary. And it says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. We all have those questions in life. Jesus, why weren't you here? Jesus, why didn't you do what I thought was the best thing? Jesus, if you had shown up, this would not have happened. 
Jesus doesn't say, how dare you? (laughs) Jesus doesn't say, don't ask me those questions. Jesus welcomes them. In his love and his compassion, he welcomes all their questions, all their doubts, all their why, 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 why didn't you, if you had. And I want you to know Jesus is big enough to welcome us in all of our questions, in all of our wonderings, in all of our doubtings. He's big enough. And he he doesn't stand with arms crossed and say, how dare you? He stands with arms open and he says, come. Come, in the midst of your questions, in the midst of your doubts, in the midst of your wonderings, come, come. We see God's goodness in this. We see Jesus' love in this. We also see it, if you skip down to verses 28 to 39, it says, after she had said this, this was Martha's, we'll get to the little in-between here in a moment. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher's here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. And again, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then two powerful but simple words. Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of the Jews said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with with a stone laid across it. And he said, take away the stone. Here's Jesus. He sees their grief. And he's deeply troubled. And he's moved. He comes to the, tom- he comes to the tomb again, deeply moved. He sees their grief. He sees their weeping. And he himself weeps. This is who Jesus is. In the midst of even the greatest of disappointments, Jesus weeps with us. Those two simple words we can simply read and move on. I know how I can be sometimes reading scripture or read and two words Jesus wept off I go. But if you've ever seen someone and you've ever been in that place of weeping, you know that's not a two word and off you go. It's deep. And Jesus there with them weeps as he sees and as he feels the depth of the grief. Even in the midst of all of this, Lazarus' death, we still see God's goodness. One more point and then we move on. God's working for his glory. It's bigger than us. 
Jesus is with us even when it doesn't go the way we hope it would. But Thomas says in verse 16, Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us go also, that we may die with him, with Lazarus. Thomas seemed to understand something. Thomas seemed to understand that God was working for his glory and that Thomas had a place in it. Let us go with him that we may die also. It's a strange line, but in the sense of all of this, in Jesus' teaching, Thomas has been walking with Jesus for three years, and Jesus has said on a number of occasions, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. See, for the glory of God to fully be seen, for us to fully understand and be able to say, yes, I believe, there has to be a place where we have those trust the rope moments. Where we deny what we want. Where we take up our cross. In other words, we die to our own selves. And we say, Jesus, I'm going to trust. I'm going to follow you. Even if that means that your glory doesn't match my picture of what you being glorified would look like. I still come. And those are hard moments, but they're necessary moments because it puts us in a place where we are able to see Jesus for who he is, not for who I want him to be. I can say that in the recent past, I really believe God's been doing this in a new level in my life through various losses, through health things in my life, through health things in my family's lives, just through the ups and downs of life, there is that understanding that's coming to me that my way isn't always God's way. And what I want isn't always the way God is going to work it out. But what I've come to understand and see more is that I've found that the rope is more than capable of holding me in the midst of it. And I don't know that I would have hold, held on to the rope as tightly, held on to Jesus as tightly, if things went the way I wanted it to go. And so I don't know where you stand today. I don't know where you come today. Whether you come with life at the high or in a low. But wherever you may be, I'm here just to encourage you that I continually find that the less that I get my way and the more that he gets his way, the better I see his glory and I see that he is more than enough. So do you believe this? Do you believe that in all of life, in the good and the bad, in the highs and the lows, that God is working for his glory? If you do, and I hope you do, and I hope you're wrestling through that, we're able to come to the place where these last couple become more easily to believe. That is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. When we recognize that Jesus and believe that Jesus and God is working for his glory, then we're able to understand more that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Again, in verse 25, or actually we start in verse 23. Jesus asked Martha after she asked, Where, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answers, I know that. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. 
And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Jesus as the resurrection and the life. When we believe this, it leads us to a place where then we are asked, do we believe that resurrection comes to those who believe? Do we believe that resurrection comes to those who believe? In the midst of all of Martha's questioning, Jesus tells her that Lazarus would rise again. Remember, he said, this sickness will not end in death. And Martha responds with belief. She says, yes, I believe. I believe that he will be resurrected at the last day when everything is made right one day. But Jesus goes further and he says, it's not just one day that he will be resurrected. He says, I am. I am resurrection. Anyone who believes in me, he says, will live again through resurrection even though they die. Even though we die, those who believe in Jesus will live again. It's good news, isn't it? It's very good news. And so that this isn't just some future telling of what will happen. Jesus goes to prove that what he is saying is true. If you skip down to verse 38, read some of this already. Verse 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been in there for four days. Now, if I was reading from, there's different versions of the Bible. I'm reading from what's called the NIV, the New International Version. If I was reading from the King James Version, it would be a lot better. Because instead of it being, there would be a bad odor. It says, Lord, it's been four days. He stinketh. I really think some of this language we should bring back a little bit. If in the midst of all the Easter eggs and all that kind of stuff, you miss one of those hard-boiled eggs and it starts to stinketh around the house, just start doing a little King James, okay? It stinketh around here. And in the midst of all of this, here's Martha. Don't, don't open the tomb. It's been four days. There wasn't embalming fluid in those days. There were spices and wrapped. In four days, in heat, the body is decaying quickly and it's not going to be a good smell. So Martha says, don't do it, Lord. Don't do it. There's going to be a bad odor. And furthermore, the Jews believed in that day that three days, superstitiously, they believed that the spirit of the person would remain around the body of the person for about three days. But after three days, they would be taken to paradise. So a miracle, they believed miracles of resurrection could happen within like three days of the person dying. But what day is it? Four. So not only does it smell bad, but there's no point. There's no point, Jesus. Don't open this up. You're just going to subject us all to pain and to this odor. Jesus says, open it up. And then he says, verse 40, 
Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? This is, I believe, the fourth time in this passage, or fifth time in this passage. The word believe is there. So they took away the stone, and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off those grave clothes and let them go. Jesus isn't praying, going, okay, God, I'm stepping out here. Father, I'm stepping out here. You're going to have to come through. I don't really know what's going to happen. He's already said, this is not going to end in death. He's already told, do you believe that he, even though they die, yet shall he live? Because I am the resurrection of the life. He already knows. He doesn't pray to the Father, oh God, you got to come through. He prays not for his benefit, not because he doesn't know if, G- if the Father is listening. He prays for all of those around. And when we proclaim the word of God, even as we're doing now, it's for the benefit of all of us that we would hear and we would believe. And Jesus demonstrates, and he says, in this, after praying, Lazarus comes out. He prays, not so... I know, but so that they all know. That they all know. And that they all are able to believe that I am the resurrection and the life. What he claims, he proves. He proves by calling him out. Do you believe this? Do you believe that the one who claimed it is the one who proved it? that he is resurrection to those who come to him in belief? And do you believe, lastly, that eternal life is then given to those who believe? Jesus said, not only I am the resurrection and the life, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. But, he says, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. See, the thing about Lazarus was Lazarus died again. Lazarus died again. He died again physically. Resurrection benefited him. But it wasn't all about Lazarus. It was about the glory of God and the proving that the son, Jesus, is who he says he is. The resurrection and the life. So that people would believe. But Jesus says that anyone who believes in him actively abiding, depending on him on a daily basis will believe in him They will never die. They will have life here and they will have life eternal on the other side of death. And there will be a resurrection one day. Martha absolutely got that right. There's a day when Jesus is going to come back. We sang it in Victory in Jesus. That he's going to come back and when he comes back, all the dead in Christ will rise. (laughs) And there will be a bodily resurrection. Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, of which Jesus is the first. It says, for Christ has indeed been raised. And this is why we celebrate this today. For Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. 
He's the first fruits. He's the first one of those who have fallen asleep. And again, it's not go sleep and get better like the disciples thought with Lazarus. This is he, this is those who have died. For since death came through a man, Adam, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man, Jesus. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. There's a day coming when Jesus will come back and we will be resurrected and our bodies will be glorified and we will be, our bodies will be like him. He's the first one. And so this idea of eternal life, those who believe is there will be resurrection. But there will also be then after resurrection, life eternal, everlasting life. And it's all because of Jesus. It's why this day is such a big deal. Because Jesus died after raising Lazarus and saying, I am the resurrection and the life, and proving it, then he dies, taking all of the sin and all of the pain and all the judgment of sin upon himself, all of our sickness and disease and brokenness. He goes into the grave, descends into hell. But three days later, he is raised to life in that glorified body. And he lives forever and ever and ever and rules and reigns as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And all those who believe in him That is our same destiny. Though we die, yet shall we live. And that life will be eternal. It's been said sometimes that eternal life doesn't happen after we die. Eternal life begins the moment that you believe in Jesus. And so that life affects us today. It's why we celebrate. It's not just a future. It is a present And so we anchor ourselves in Jesus. We hold on to that rope in everything today as well as in hope for eternity. The resurrected one stands for us today. So the point of this story is not just a story that somebody created. It's historical. The point of this is not that your life in my life, in your situations, in my situations, are going to get wrapped up all neat and clean like Lazarus. It's not going to be always a Hallmark movie ending. The point is that Jesus, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And that the Father's glory is seen in him. And the glory of the Son is seen. And the invitation is given to each one of us, do you believe this? Not just with your head, but hold the rope for everything that you need in this life and the next. We hold on to him. I mentioned at the beginning of this message about all the chaos that's in our world and one of those places is in the Ukraine And you have almost for two months now war going on there. And we're we're part of this family of believers, the Christian Missionary Alliance. And there are are believers in Ukraine that recently became a part of our family. 
And, and Keith, they've been worshiping and they've been praying and they've been gathering around the, the word every day. Even in the midst of missiles and mortars, they've been gathering to pray, to worship, to be strengthened by reading the word. They've been gathering to be with Jesus because they recognize, and even in the midst of the weariness and the suffering and the pain and all that, they recognize that their hope is in the resurrection and the life. Jesus. I don't know about you. I I may be saying I'm in a bomb shelter somewhere. But they're saying, no, we're gathering together and we're going to be with him. Because in this life, he is our hope. And in the next life, he is our hope. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. And he who believes in me will live forever. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? I just want to give you just a few moments before the Lord, just to say, Lord, you may say this morning, yeah, I I believe this. You may be like me, and at six years old, I said, yes, I believe this. I believe you, Jesus, and I trust you, and I receive you to be the one who is resurrection and life for me. Your story may be somewhat later in your life, And you may be today just saying, I'm still trying to figure out and I'm not sure. So your answer to to this question may be, yes, I believe, I believe, and I am just affirming and celebrating that this morning, Jesus. You may be in the place, though, where maybe you've wandered a little bit, you believed it, but maybe your your hunger and maybe that rope is, you've been kind of coming around it and you believe it, you look at it and you're like, yeah, I believe it, I have believed it, but... You need to just say this morning afresh, I'm going to hold on. I need to hold on tighter, Jesus. I believe. And there may be some today who for the first time you're saying, yes, I believe. And there may be some as well that are just saying, I'm not quite sure what I believe yet. Wherever we're at, just take a moment. Jesus welcomes each one of us and he loves each one of us. And he came to be resurrection and life for each one of us. And so just to affirm to him, And even just to wrestle with him if you need to this morning. I am the resurrection and the life. The worship team will come and lead us in a closing song here. But I just want to give you space just to spend with Jesus. And even during that song, if you want somebody to pray with you, there'd be some folks here at the front to pray with you. We'd love to do that. So Jesus, we thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. We praise you that you are here with us. We thank you. You are alive. You're here by your spirit. Thank you. And so, receive the responses of each one here to that question. Do you believe this?
And so even as we pray, the story of a man who had a son with an issue that needed Jesus' help. Jesus said to him, do you believe? And that man responded with, I believe, help my unbelief. And so I just, in that coming to mind, I believe that there may be some of you here today that are just saying, I believe, but I have some unbelief. And just to know that Jesus meets us there. So even in places of unbelief, Jesus, we pray blessing, knowing that you're not, you're not scared off and you're not requiring perfect belief. So even in places where there is some belief, we bless that in the name of Jesus. And we rejoice that you are the resurrection and the life. Thank you. Thank you for coming. We praise you as the one who has overcome death and the grave. We rejoice in Jesus' name.